Did anybody besides me almost like blow your throat there like out singing like, whew. I kind of had to let off like I'm not a good singer, but I'm a loud singer and I was probably singing way too loud. Whoa, man, what a good time worshiping with you guys this morning of our resurrected Savior and how good for us to know that we've experienced the life that he brings. Amen? We're so glad to see each and every one of you here today. If it's your first time, my name is Kyle, and we're so glad that you are here. We think it's a very, very big deal um, that you are here with us today. For the last several weeks, we've been on this road trip together in which myself and others of our pastors have been sharing their heart and their journey of faith. And it's just been amazing, um, the passion and the um, honesty and the transparency in which they have done that with that I know that has brought you uh, tremendous encouragement. You ever been on a road trip and you got stuck behind that vehicle? Are you with me? Is there anybody else in the room that just gets frustrated out of your mind when you just can't get around that guy, right? Uh, sometimes it's a big semi, and you kind of give them a little bit of grace because they're big and they're heavy and, the, you know, the hill or whatever. But that guy that's driving the car that's totally capable of driving the speed limit but chooses not to drive the speed limit, are you with me? Woo! And so you finally get around them, right? You finally get around them, and it's like freedom again, right? We can really make this trip now because I don't know about you. I'm all about making time. Anyway, at some point in time, one of the six people in our vehicle say they have to go to the bathroom, and so you make the pit stop. And in your pit stop, that vehicle that was behind you has just enough time to get ahead of you on the road, and you get back on the road, and you're right back behind them again, right? Uh, There's those people in life too, right? There's some people around you that when you bump into them, you're like, not again. They discourage you. They frustrate you. uh, They bring you down, right? And then there's other people in life on our journey, on our road trip, that when we cross paths with them, man, we are encouraged. We are excited. We are excited. Our facial expression changes just because we get to be in the presence and we get to do life with them. And they actually help us move forward. In fact, there's some people that we bump into that we like so much and are such an encouragement to us that not only do we want to cross paths with them, we could actually see ourselves maybe taking a road trip with them, right? Like we like them that much that we want to spend time with them. Well, the guy that I want to introduce uh, to you today um, is one of those guys, not the guy that gets in front of you and goes really, really slow. In fact, you're not going to get stuck behind this guy. He's going to be moving fast. But rather, he's one of those guys that every time you're around him, he encourages you, he strengthens you. Um, In my Um, interaction with him. He's always challenged me to move forward faster for the honor and the glory and the kingdom of Jesus. And he's a blessing to me and my life. And in case you didn't know this, uh, we're actually on this road trip together with him. And so in just a moment, Joey Cook, the pastor of City Church in Conway, is going to come join me here on stage. And we're going to hear part of their journey uh, as a church and what God's doing with them as a new church in Conway. But our church is partnered together with them on this road trip because we've been uh, supporting them and partnering with them financially. And so everything that God is doing in Conway, and it's a lot, we're actually on this journey with them. And it's just a joy, and I love crossing paths with Joey. And would you join me in welcoming Joey Cook to the stage? Joey, we are so glad to have you uh, together here with us today at uh, Holland Chapel. Man, you just, um, you're a blessing in my life. I'll never forget meeting you. Um, If I recall, you were 12 or 13 years old. 
I was not. He was. And uh, we were in the hills of North Arkansas, somewhere where you lived up there in uh, Bumpkin Nation up there, right? And uh, anyway, uh, the way our paths crossed, um, the guy who influenced me a ton when I was 13, 14 years old, his name's Larry Albritton, great man of God, poured into my life, ended up going to where Joey lived to be the pastor of the church there. And as a result of my connection with Larry, he invited me up to play some ball. And we went up there and I met Joey on that day. And our paths, I'm very grateful to say, have continued to cross and connect over the years, and it's just a joy to have you here today, man. Thanks. It's really awesome to be here, and I didn't realize I actually showed up a week early for Amplify Festival. Good grief. Yeah, yeah, it's next Worshiping. week. Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. It's cool to be here, and I remember uh, that pastor that Kyle was referring to, he kept saying, hey, you got to meet my friend Kyle. got to meet my friend Kyle. you got to meet my friend Kyle. And I was, I was a kid, like Kyle said, we grew up in a town of, uh, the sign was actually still there. It said population 63. Jamestown, Arkansas. Anyone in the house know are familiar with Jamestown? Zero hands. Okay, it's only like an hour from here, by the way. That's how small it is. Uh, but we started hanging out, and man, I just appreciate the affirmation, but honestly, I just want to return it. God has used your pastor to impact my life at very critical times in my life, and one of the very first tastes I ever got for just the glory of God and the bigness of God was when, and I've never told you this, Kyle, I didn't even tell you at dinner last night, but you were leading a camp, and you had cell group leaders, and I was one of those college punk cell group leaders, and he brought us out to the basketball court. You may not even remember this, but you made us all lay on the basketball court, and, <laughs> and we just looked up at the stars, and we were out in the middle of nowhere, and you started talking about the grandness of God and how the God that breathed those stars into existence not only loved us but knew us and had a plan for our lives. And I believed you and I still believe you today. That was a big moment for us. And, and God used you and Terry to impact us at a very critical time. And so I'm really glad to be here. This is a special morning for us. Well, thanks, Joey, man. Uh, I love you, and uh, I think some in our church know you, and I, I want everybody, I want you guys to know what we're getting to be a part of. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you, Holland Chapel, when we get to heaven, a lot of strangers are going to walk up to us and want to meet us. Are you hearing me? There are people in Conway and all around the world that we've never met that because of our generosity and our willingness to be a part of what the kingdom is doing, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a party like you never even imagined in heaven. And we're just so excited about what God is doing in and through Conway. And so we want to hear part of your journey here. I think a little bit we may commiserate with you just a little bit because the journey hadn't been all fun. But the bigger thing that I want us to do is I want us to celebrate, man, what God's been doing. And so um, the church is still relatively new. Uh, you guys got started about four years ago. And so just back up, tell us a little bit of that story and bring us through a little bit. So we will, yeah, we'll celebrate our fourth birthday party this weekend, and we're actually going to throw a birthday party. We're going to have food, and we're going to, our musicians are going to play some acoustic songs, and we're going to just share stories about what God has done through the journey. So, um, yeah, that started, we, I did student ministry for about uh, eight, eight years or so, so Nick Calloway, wherever you are, hats off to you. Um, what an incredible opportunity to impact the next generation uh, which comes runs parallel with a lot of long days and even longer nights. Speaking of longer nights, you didn't know I was going to tell this, but uh, I'll never forget, like, 
I don't even know if you had gone to your first church yet, but like your first time with your new church in Monticello, this guy decided, I don't know how old you were at the time, you were really young, you weren't married at the time, if I recall, young, single, and he decides to take a bunch of teenagers on an overnight camping trip. Like, number one rule in student ministry, never take group boy, girl together on an overnight camp trip. And this guy decided to do that. And I was like, this guy is nuts. Anyway, God blessed in a tremendous way. I don't know how many people were saved on that trip, but like that trip, like a lot a lot of people like came to know Christ. I, I yeah. got a number in my head. I don't know if I'm correct or not. The number 13 comes to mind. Yeah, I don't know if that's correct or not. It was around but. 13. And here's what happens. When a kid gets, I woke up that morning in the middle of the night, to a kid who had been set on fire by the campfire and was That's running why you to don't jump do in the lake. That. That's why you don't do that. When someone gets set on fire, you really start thinking about eternity. I was about really to say, did you preach on hell then? Or, yeah. yeah. It's a great opportunity to talk about the gospel. <laughs> he really was on fire running across the woods. That's what I woke up to. <laughs> that was my first youth trip. That was 12 and a half years ago. I was 23 and single, and we were, yeah, about to get married. So that was our first. So we did student ministry, and then we knew that God was calling us in this church planning journey. And I know you guys know Dulo Allen's past, but uh, we went to Olympia and actually spent some time at the Northwest Landing looking at what these guys were doing. That's when I realized just how hard church planning was because I saw some really gifted men, like, bust and tail, uh, to try to get the gospel to people and get something going in that part of the country. And uh, that stirred us. And so we went to Dallas and we started our church planning journey there in 2012. And uh, we realized that you can take a boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Uh, we were a fish out of water and we were having a hard time connecting with the culture of this really affluent part of Dallas that we were living. We live, we were neighbors with Deion Sanders. So Dion and I really, we don't have a lot in common as far as how much money's in the bank or, you know, where we grew up or anything like that. Um, so we, we just had a real struggle. And we were about nine months into that journey, and it culminated. So we're just going to jump right in because I already heard transparency and honesty thrown out, so we'll just tell it how it was. Uh, my wife and I have been married over 12 years, and we have an incredible marriage. Uh, we have a couple of kids who are over in, in the kids' ministry that was, I remember, the worst and darkest night of our life. We were lonely. Uh, our, our efforts were producing zero fruit as far as we could see or experience. And, and I remember one night in particular, uh, we tore uh, curtains off the window and came, and my wife came at me. And I remember holding her and falling to the floor, uh, weeping together. It was the darkest night of our 12 years of marriage, and we said this, if this is what ministry is like, I'm going to find something else to do, and I meant it, and that was about nine months into the Dallas journey. Um, that day, we, had, we were going to throw a block party, meet some neighbors. We built a Facebook group, and we spent about three months prayer walking our neighborhood and uh, knocking on doors and inviting, making handouts, and we cooked a big pile of meat, and no one showed up. And we were just so discouraged in that moment. And um, that kind of set us on a, a, a deeper journey. We started to look at Scripture again, and we were like, all right, what are you really calling us to do, God? And can I, if it's to make disciples, which is what Matthew tells us, can I do that in the workforce? And my answer was a resounding yes. 
So why am I subjecting myself to this life of church planting? And so uh, an op- a, a door flew open in Conway, and uh, it was that pastor that impacted both of us. And he said, what if I told you that there's an open door in Conway and some resources that could help you plant the kind of church that you're talking about, an Acts 2 kind of church, and do it in Conway, Arkansas? Would you be interested? And I said, well, we'll pray about it. Honestly, I've got some other directions I'm looking at in life, and this was uh, just over four years ago, and so I started look, interviewing with some companies and kind of relying on my business background, and uh, God would not let us go. We tried. We honestly tried to get out of that route, but he wouldn't let us go, and um, within a week, we had sold our house uh, for more than we paid for it. We had a team of about 10 people that said we are fully committed And we had a house given to us, a quarter million dollar piece of property on UCA's campus that was handed to me uh, for a dollar, which I never paid, by the way. I realized that when I was telling this story last time. One day I'm going to send a dollar to Craig Duncan, my friend from college, and say thank you for this house. But uh, so all of the pieces just fell in line, and we realized that God was, in fact, moving us to Conway. We didn't choose that city. That city chose us, and we... (laughs) Spent our entire savings account uh, pouring into this little, this house, this three-block house, uh, or sorry, three-lot house that we had next to campus, and we started flipping that thing, getting it ready for people, and we ordered, spent the rest of our money buying 5,000 flyers, and they said, come experience a new Jesus-centered movement. That's what the, the front said, and we slipped them under every door of every uh, college student in Conway. And we said, meet us here this Sunday, and 70 people showed up, and that's how our journey started. And four years later, uh, by the grace of God, uh, we, have, we are in the process of planting our fourth church, uh, which is really exciting, um, three that ours and then three that have came out of our church uh, will, by God's grace, have about 500 people who will gather together to celebrate in Conway next weekend, a fourth birthday, many of whose lives have been changed by Jesus as a result of this journey and his grace. And um, that's, in a nutshell, the last 10 years or so. So, church, you realize that doesn't just happen, right? That takes the Spirit of God working through the Word of God, working through men of God and people of God. And, man, it's just, it's just amazing what God is doing in Conway and other places as a result of, of your willingness to, to follow and obey. And our paths, and I know you know this, and there's so much of the story that both of us have to pull back on because there's so many details. But I, know you've, I, I lived in Washington State at the time. And the week that you got that phone call about the Conway possibility, we were actually together at Bog Springs Camp. I mean, what are the odds of that? And I remember praying through that and, and watching you, like, and, and then, and so then when I came here to Holland Chapel, our church was already supporting you guys financially, and I'm like, sweet, we get to cross paths again, and I just want, you know, to, to you guys to know that, man, I, I'm diligent about helping our church make sure that we're uh, I don't want to use the word investing because I think that's way too small of a word, but about sowing into what God is doing around the world. And as soon as I found out that we were partnering with Conway, I was just extremely excited. And what's happening today, you guys are about to reach your fourth birthday, and what God has done, the lives that have been changed 
Because I know the same thing that drives us as a church drives you as a church, right? Like we are all about the gospel here at this church. We are all about making sure people know that their life can be forever changed to the resurrected Savior. We're, we're 2 Corinthians chapter 5, come back to God, come back to God, come back to God. And I know that's what drives your church and that's what drives you and your leadership. And so it's just, it's a phenomenal thing that what God's done. Yeah, if you allow me, I'd love to just talk about a couple of those elements for a moment. The, the thing that um, got me into seeing my life as a missionary, it happened actually when uh, God planted a seed at the age of 17. I remember hearing this gospel, like the Jesus that we just sang about, the Jesus that you pre- hear preached every weekend. I remember hearing that and thinking, if this is true, if God really is who he says he is, and Jesus really is his son, fully God, and that he really did live his life, die for my sins, knowing what I would commit against him, was buried, and then the stone was really rolled away three days later, and his body is still missing. Like, this is really true, and he's setting up at the right hand of God, and this is really true. I cannot do anything else with my time and be satisfied. And that's how I thought. And it was... It was an interesting journey for me because at the age of 10, I learned that Jesus could save me. And maybe many of you can identify with that. You heard the good news of Jesus. You went, wow, this is relevant for me. I need to repent of my sins and to give my heart and life wholeheartedly over to the rule and reign of King Jesus. And I learned at the age of 10 that he could save me. Now, I spent a lot of years after that doing a lot of other things, trying to find satisfaction in other things, but at 10, I learned he could save me. It took me till the age of 30 to realize that Jesus could actually satisfy me, that Jesus was the best thing for me. And I wonder, as you think about your own spiritual journey, where you are in that journey, I hope that all of us have come to the realization that Jesus can save you. He can save your soul. He can make what was dead in you come to life. But I wonder if in your journey, if you've really came to the understanding that Jesus can actually satisfy you, that he is what's best for us, and a life in him is the thing that our soul desperately longs for in a way that nothing in this world can satisfy. And so when we started our original body out of Holland Chapel, Holland Chapel came in to support us financially. I'm, uh, the, the, staff, the pastors here have been incredible friends of mine. They've walked us through this journey. Uh, they've, they've just been an encouragement to us. We kept coming back to this text in, in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it, this is the story of the early church. And what's interesting about this particular story is where it, it starts. Now, there are a lot of descriptions about church in, in, in Scripture. Paul wrote to the church his 13 letters. But this one in particular is actually the best prescription that we have of the church. It's not only this is what's happening, but as you look at this text, you're like, wow, this is what should continue to happen. And in Acts 2, verse 42, and this is the passage that I've just, I still cannot get away from. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. You know what was important about the apostles' teaching? It wasn't the apostles' It was King Jesus that they were teaching about. So the baseline for this fellowship of faith was the good news of Jesus Christ. And if Holland Chapel, if I know anything about this church, and I feel like 
I do know a little bit. I know the leadership. I've been watching this church for a long time now. It is that it is based on what we just sang about, the goodness of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And so we wanted to start a faith community that was, we use the phrase, gospel-driven. We are good news-driven people. Everything that we do and are has to come out of the goodness of Jesus. It's not my efforts. It's not, this, this wasn't because the apostles were awesome. Holland Chapel is not a, a great, strong church right here on the interstate because Pastor Kyle is just killing it week after week. That's not why this group exists. Now, Very true. I would affirm that he, definitely Kyle has the gift of, of teaching, but the reason that there's people in this room right now that are applauding the good news of Jesus is because this is a good news-driven people. The King Jesus is real, and he rules and reigns here. And so that's the foundation for every church that we've planted in the past four years. Man, thanks for sharing your heart and your passion. And I know that's what drives you, and I know that you guys um, in Conway, as you lead there, you guys are reaching people that are looking for that satisfaction, man. Like, give us some uh, a story or two maybe of some people that, you know, have come to that point, whether they were 30 or 13 or whatever, it doesn't make any difference, where they just reached that place and they're leaning into the satisfaction that can only come from Christ. Cool. Well, the first name that popped in my head when you started to ask that question was a guy named Paul. And uh, I'll probably get emotional talking about Paul because Paul is a very close friend of mine. And to see what Jesus has done in his family over the last two and a half years makes every drop of blood that was shed, every tear that was shed, every sweat, uh, it makes it all worth it. And so I, I, I coach uh, youth league baseball. My son's a baseball player, and uh, there was this kid on the team. He was of Arabian descent. He would get up to the plate, and one of those kids that kind of like stand on the plate and then like hold the bat like this and pull it over his head like a tomahawk, and that's how he got ready to hit, you know, like had no idea what was going on in the game of baseball. And this kid were like, no, you got to stand over here, right? And so we were building these relationships with these parents. You know how it works in the sports world. You have an opportunity to leverage this kind of hobby that you have or that your kids have for the sake of the gospel. And let me just say that if you're uh, if you're some type of coach or God's given you a position of authority, that's not just to win a championship. That's for the kingdom of God to be put on display, and you have a golden opportunity to impact people with the good news of Jesus. And that's, what, that's why I coach. Um, and so Paulie, his son, was out there, the kid trying to figure it out. And, and uh, Paul, it was time for pictures. You know, you got to have pictures. You got to print out the little thing, put it on the wall, give it to the kids. You know, it's picture day. Well, his family was going to be gone. And uh, so we said, all right, we, can we reschedule? The photographer's like, no, we got to do it this time. So we're like, all right, everybody show up. Uh, Paul's going to be gone. So their family's out. Well, they come back into town and said, hey, we're doing another picture day because now Paulie's here. And so we hired a photographer, and we brought him in, and we said, all right, we're doing another picture day. We're making new pictures. These are just for Paul because this kid needs a picture. Now, did he really need a picture? No, but we loved the family, and we thought this was a very tangible way to show them the love of Christ. And so we, we rescheduled another picture day, and we printed them up, and it was about two weeks later, and we got them in their hands, and he goes, why would you do this for us? Well, it wasn't because I had a free couple of hours during the week, and I was just looking for someone to burn time. It was because we're, in, we're serious about seeing people come to know Jesus. And so we gave them these pictures, and I said, I want to just be honest with you. 
I believe in Jesus. He says, I know that. I Googled you. You're a pastor. Okay, I get it. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to just let anybody coach my son, you know. He said, he's, I said, it was because I honestly believe that Jesus loves me, and I want to show you that love in a practical way. And so a couple weeks later, uh, we were on the field, and his wife was sitting with my wife in the stands, and she goes, hey, this thing that y'all do on Sundays, you know, the church stuff, do y'all do things for kids? And we're like, yeah, we do stuff for kids. And she's like, okay, cool, because Paul Sr., the dad, he said, he said that he wants to come check out what you guys are all about. Because if anyone will do that for his kid, he's interested to know what they know. And so they showed up on a Sunday, and we were getting ready to start this new group. It's like what you guys do. And uh, we invited him to be a part of our group, and he said, man, I don't even have to think about that. I would love to be a part of your group. Anyone that's loved our kids like you've loved them, we want to be a part of your group. And so they came over for dinner. I said, before the group starts, why don't you guys just come over for dinner? They sat in our house and had dinner. And uh, they said, we've lived in this city for 10 years, and we've never eaten dinner in someone else's house in this city. And so Sindel and I are always reminding ourselves of this question. I wonder how many people live in our city that could attest to that. And you can be the, you can be the answer to that. There are thousands of people in Saline County, no doubt, who have never had dinner in someone else's house other than maybe an immediate family member. You have the opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and it can be as simple as, hey, would you guys come over on Thursday night? I'm grilling burgers, and we would love to have you while the kids play in the backyard. It's a great opportunity. So they come in, and it's just fast forward to see what God has done. In fact, I had him on our stage last week. I had a, we called it an everyday people panel, and he is loving his coworkers. Uh, he said something. He made a statement, and we caught it on film. We went back and listened to it. He said, my faith is now the most important part of my life. And because of my faith, my kids are now growing in their faith. And we had to like rewind, like, what did he just say? Like, God has done a tremendous work in his life. He said, Joey, I used to go to church. He said, but when I was a kid, we had an uh, Arabian restaurant. And they were coming, we were in a kind of small town USA, and someone threw bricks through our window with hate notes. Go back to where you came from. And he said, we, we went to that church on Sunday looking for hope, and the pastor said, how should we respond to these world events? He said, we need to go out over there and take care of business and tell them to go back where they came from and take care. And he said, my family and I walked out one by one, and we haven't stepped foot back into a church until that time where you invited us to come and be a part of worship with your family. And that simple invitation has changed our life. And Paul now just got a promotion, and I can talk about him because none of you know him. He, he called me up. Um, he said, I need to talk to you. And he came over, and he came to my living room. I said, what's up? He said, I was work. He was in corporate America. He worked for HP. He had a great job. He was making a lot of money. And he said this other company was trying to hire him because he's really good at what he does. He's very social, and uh, he's just a great businessman. And he had another company come and offer, and I said, man, that's incredible. He goes, I don't know how to respond to this because they offered me a quarter of a million dollars to work for this company a year. He said, Joey, has, why would God allow a broken person like me to be able to live a life that I am now enjoying? And I said, that's just grace, man. 
Like God can bless you in any way that he wants to bless you, or he can take it away tomorrow, but regardless, the grace of Jesus is now guiding your life, and God has given you resources to be used for the kingdom. And I don't know about you, what you do for a living, but God has given you, he's blessed you to be a conduit. He's blessed you, just like Abraham, to be a blessing to other people. And Paul is using those resources to now be a blessing. We, we had a work day. We just moved into a new space. We're, we're moving to downtown Conway. So for four years, we've been a portable church. We did the math. We've stacked and unstacked 60,000 chairs in the last four years. 60,000. That's not an exaggerated number. And so we're getting ready to move into our first permanent space in downtown Conway. And Paul just had his third baby. The whole family was in the hospital. We were there with them. It was an incredible time. They decided to name her Eden because we just went through a series called Eden to Eternity, and he thought that name was cool. And so his little daughter now is named after the place where God decided to begin life. And you talk about a man full circle and an about face walking toward the world. When I first met him, he said, hey, the church thing's cool, but I'm really Family is my passion, and I work to provide a good life for my family. To now saying, faith is my primary guide in life. My relationship with Christ is the defining factor. And because of that, I now know how to love my family and to lead my family. And so that's just one story of my friend named Paul. And those things are not possible without the generosity of God's people Caring about the mission of Jesus going into new spaces. And I don't care how many steeples you see when you drive to our town. The numbers right now on central Arkansas is at 53% identify as the uns. The unchurched that have no religious affiliation whatsoever. 53%. That's more than half. We have 100 churches in Conway. One time we did the math on the seats. If everyone was filled up in Conway, that would mean about 30% of the residents of our city are in some place of worship on the weekend. There are people on your street. There are people in the cubicle next to you, on the job side next to you, that do not know Jesus. And we have been given an opportunity to welcome them into the family of God and introduce them to the very Jesus who died and offers freedom to them should they turn to him. And that doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a church planter or you run a backhoe for a living. That is all across the board. And our, de- our nation desperately needs Jesus, maybe more so than ever. And so, uh, yeah, that's a co- one story of, of a life change there. Well, you guys are figuring this out, right? You're seeing why we've partnered with Joey and what God's doing in Conway and, man, I know that you're containing yourself because there's a bunch more stories that you would love to share. There's a lot more names out there that you'd love to share. And, man, aren't you just thankful to hear that one story that represents so many others, that story of Paul and how he just didn't have any direction in life and didn't know what to do with his family or anything else. He was trying his best, was away from God. Sometimes people are away from God for reasons like Paul, things people did to them. Sometimes, I'm sure you've got stories like this, there's other people that are away from God because of choices they've made, right? They've chosen, just just made the decision to go a different way than God on their own. But the fact and the truth is, is that the resurrected Savior can bring a Paul through the love of the church back to himself, 
or bring someone else who's made their own choices to go their own way that's caused them to be far away from God that through the gospel and through the love of the church can bring them back to himself. We've got some neighbors whose names are Paul and whatever it may be, right? And we've got some friends that do not know Christ and they're far away from him. The reality is there's probably some people sitting in this room right now and you're far away from God. Maybe people around you know it and maybe people around you don't even know how far away from God you are. And it is our absolute joy that you're here today hearing this life-changing message of Jesus that he died for our sin, but he is no longer dead. He is alive, and he wants to live in us, and he wants to live through us, and he wants to bring forgiveness, and he wants to bring satisfaction. He wants to bring it to your life. This is why we do what we do at Holland Chapel. It's why you do what you do at City Church, because that message has changed our lives, and we believe that it can change anyone's life. We believe that it can change our city. We believe that it can change Conway. We believe that it can change countries. It's the life-changing message of Jesus. Isn't that right, church? I mean, we've got Jesus. We've got everything. And may we all come to that place of knowing him as our Savior. And I don't know, I may make a word up on the spot. Um, I don't know if satisfier is a word or not. Is that a word? I don't know. May we know him as our satisfier. And we know him as our satisfier. And so what I want to do right now is I want to thank Joey for coming. Uh, I want us to just double down on our commitments to pray for what God is doing through City Church in Conway. And that we would just pray as well for the many other Pauls that live in that city and live in this city. That desperately need the message of Jesus. Some of which may be sitting in this room right now. So may we pray together and ask God to do this very thing. Father, we bow before you right now. We thank you so much for allowing us to know you through Jesus. Sometimes I think we take it for granted if we've known you a long time and we just take showing up to meet with other believers for granted and and we forget that, man, this has changed our lives. It has changed our eternity It has changed our hearts and our minds. And may you refresh us in that today. The glorious gospel. There is nothing more needed. There is nothing deeper. There is nothing greater. There is nothing more powerful than the gospel. And Father, I pray that as we, your people, are refreshed in the gospel today, I just want to pray for our neighbors and our friends and the people that we have yet to meet that desperately need this gospel, that we would reach out to them, whether we're going to coach them in baseball, we're going to invite them to dinner, or we're just going to come alongside them as a friend, God. I pray that you would use us to reach out with the love and the life-changing message of the gospel. Father, I want to pray for anyone who is here this morning in this gathering, having heard your believers celebrate the resurrected Savior through music and having heard the story of Joey and Paul and how you've brought satisfaction to their life, I want to pray that they would not miss you. I pray that right now, even right where they are, they would begin to pray and admit who you are and who they are and allow you to change them. We are sinners, God, and we want a Savior. We are unsatisfied. And we need someone to satisfy us. And that Savior and that satisfier, his name is Jesus. And so I pray that we would all seek, know, believe in, and live in the wonderful, glorious, 
um, resurrected name, the name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.